stand um, in honor of the word of God. The Apostle Peter writes, 1 Peter 2, 4, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to him who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. And I thank you for standing. You may be seated. So we started last week a series on the church. And we looked at last week the foundation, the cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the chosen tested and precious, most valuable stone upon which God is building his church. We talked about the reality of our decision of what we are going to do with it. Are we going to to reject? Are we going to stumble and fall upon Christ? Or are we going to believe? Are we going to trust? Are we going to build our lives upon that chosen, precious, tested stone, the Lord Jesus. So this morning, uh, Peter continues that analogy of stones, and from the cornerstone, we want to talk about living stones this morning. So if you would do something with me, um, I want to do a little nursery rhyme that I did when I was a kid. You may have heard this before. So if you can kind of interlock your fingers like this, okay, and then close them the best that you can, so you have a fist, and then your thumbs on front, okay? So, say with me, uh, I'll actually say it, and then you can do it with me, okay? So here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors, and see all the people, all right? Ready? Okay, so you got your interlocking fingers there, all right? I know, this is, this is juvenile, but it's all right. Here we go. All right, so, ready? Here's the church. Here's the steeple, open the doors and see all the people. You're going to be saying that all day long now. (laughs) Sorry to get that in your mind. As I was growing up, that that was one of those things that we did in Sunday school and it got carried on to home. Here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors and see all the people. Churches often are thought of in terms of brick and mortar structures. We're in a structure t- 
together. And sometimes when people think of the church, they think of a building. Uh, I had the privilege to live in Germany for three months during my junior and senior years of college, playing and coaching baseball and using it as missions, and got to go to all around Germany and to Switzerland and to Italy, got to uh, and to France, got to see all these different places. And in every city you went to, there were these massive, beautiful cathedrals made of stones, some of them uh, hundreds and hundreds of years old. Some of them you could climb depending on how old it was and what they had done to reinforce the structure. You could climb to the, to the top of the bell tower and some of them were close to 200 feet in the air that you could get up to the top and you could look out over the whole city that you were visiting. Just beautiful structures that sadly, many of them had turned into tourist destinations for people who were visiting that city could come and could see this beautiful church. Sometimes they would have small worship services, but for the most part, they were just structures. Though we meet in a church building that's made of brick and mortar and sometimes buildings made of steel, this this building is not the church. This building is where the church meets. It's where the people gather. The church is not brick and mortar. The church is people. Open the door and see all the people. You see, brothers and sisters, today, in this hand rhyme that illustrates this, God doesn't build with brick and mortar and steel. God builds with living stones. Sermon notes are in your bulletin. You can fill in some blanks. If you're a note taker, you can use that as well. But God, in his building of the church, he builds upon, as we saw last week, he builds upon the living stone, the chosen, tested, precious cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he uses people. He uses a stone analogy to build upon, and he says that believers are living stones. They are living stones, people who are believers in Jesus Christ. So for the sake of analogy today, I want you to see yourself as a stone. You are a living stone. Last week we talked about the fact that this stone, the Lord Jesus Christ, is not a dead stone. He is alive. Though he was dead, he is resurrected and he lives forevermore. It's not a stone even like this, but it is representative of us, a living stone. God does not build with bricks and mortar and steel. He builds with people. People who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who are building their lives upon the person of Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. So with this as a big idea this morning, God building with living stones, let's look at three actions that we take as we allow God to build his church and use us. The first is, the first action is that we would be people who would be built into a spiritual house. Verse five says, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house house. Peter says, and notice the tense of what he is saying, that these living stones are being 
built, are being built into a spiritual house. Those original hearers that Peter was writing to in the city of Rome, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of, of Nero coming after Christians, those original hearers would have understood this as an ongoing work in progress. It was not completed past. It was not in the moment completed. It was one day going to be completed. It was an in-process work. The work throughout all centuries has been going on. Since the day that the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost and birthed the church, when 3,000 believers, or when 3,000 individuals turned to Christ in response to a sermon that Peter spoke, what, what, what must we do to be saved? The church was birthed, the church was born on that day. And ever since that day, the church is being built. Living stones being built, put, built together to form a spiritual house. The work has continued, the work will continue, the work is going on here in Dorseyville, the work is going on throughout Pittsburgh, throughout Pennsylvania, throughout the United States, and all around the world, wherever there are believers in Christ, God is doing a work, building his universal church, capital C, all believers all over the world at all times. He's building his church, but he's also building local churches, local congregations like we are here together, part of the larger church. Living stones being built into a spiritual house. God is in the business of building. Why is he building? In the Old Testament, God's desire was to be with humanity and for humanity to be with him. Sin messed all of that up, but God sets about a redemption plan and he raises up a man named Abraham who he births a nation, Israel. And one of the, the chief things that comes out of Israel is a place called the tabernacle that eventually becomes the temple where the people of God are able to come and to worship, but even more, where God comes and lives with men and women and young men and women and boys and girls on earth. This place where the presence of God exists on earth so that God could be with humanity. He's building a house for his presence. And these living stones, Paul says, are temples. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And as temples of the Holy Spirit individually get together, God builds his church. Living stones together. This requires something. This requires that living stones be together. Because I don't know about you, but one stone, even on a cornerstone, is not going to build much of a building, right? Would you agree with me on that? One stone, even on a cornerstone, is not going to build much of a building. You need many stones built together, pressed together, in order to build something for a building to be built. You cannot, and I want to stress this this morning, you cannot be 
a loner stone. <laughs> you were not designed to be alone. You were designed to be with others in relationship, other living stones, so that God can build his spiritual house. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25 says, let us consider how we might spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us all the more engage together, even as we see the day of the return of Christ coming quickly. So thankfully this morning, my wife is very wise. I was asking her, about melty beads, because I was planning to use this. And so, for sake of analogy this morning, I want you to shift a little bit from the stone, we'll get back to that, to a melty bead. Everyone can see this, I'm sure. This is a little wax kind of bead that you put on one of these little prong-based platforms and you put a lot of them together, and you do something like this. So here's all, the, here's all my melty beads. They're not mine, actually. They're my kids. I'm not very crafty, by the way. So my, my thought this morning, for this morning, was that I would stand up here and kind of do a little demonstration. I would take these little melty beads, and I would, one by one with these little beads, make that. Well, let me tell you, that is not easy to do. <laughs> there's only, there's like a hundred plus of those little things, and they're really tiny. And if you've got even halfway big fingers, they're really hard to put in there. But one by one, I put these in. And it took me about a half hour to build that thing. And then what you do is you get an iron and a piece of wax paper over this that you are intending to create and you get that iron and you begin to melt it. And that takes about another 10, no not 10, another two or three minutes. It's not a fast process. So imagine, so you can thank me after because this whole part of the message was gonna be me building that and then me ironing that. So we're looking at 12.30, one o'clock before we're done here together. <laughs> Thankfully, my wife being so wise as she is, encouraged me to make a prototype. And so here we are, a prototype. If you're having a hard time seeing it, here it is. Now you can see that all up in here, these have been melted together. So that those individual beads, under the pressure and under the heat, of a hot iron for quite a while, get melted and pressed together to become this creation. I did my best to make a church. That blob up there, whoops. That blob up there is supposed to be a cross. Okay, so just work with me. I'm not very artistic. But here we are. So all of these little melty beads put together, pressed together, melted together to eventually become this. 
This isn't a hard question. Could one of these ever become this? No. You need many in close proximity pressed together to create this. And under heat, under pressure, pressed together. Friends, God is building a spiritual house. And he's using, however you want to look at it this morning, he's using living stones or these little melty beads. Either way, this is you, if you're a believer in Jesus. And he's using these to build his spiritual house. And the only way he can melt these together, the only way he can unite them together, and the only way that he's going to be able to create this thing is if we are together. comment was made at last uh, Sunday night's prayer meeting about Fall Family Fun Day. Last week we had a great opportunity to be able to serve our community and how that affected worship the next day. See, when you spend time with people, so you spent time before setting up. You spent three hours serving the community. You spent some time tearing it down after. If you were around uh, at any point in all of those or Friday night setting up or just giving some way somehow. You cannot work together. You cannot be near one another. You cannot be doing something in relationship with other and not have it draw you nearer together. And when you get drawn nearer together, there's something that happens in worship. God does something because he wants to create he is building the spiritual house for his presence. And the more we're together and the more we allow him to press us together as living stones upon the chief cornerstone, Jesus, there's something about his presence that is able to be inhabited in a place that it wasn't before. He wants to inhabit something. He wants to inhabit lives and he wants to inhabit a group of people, his presence. God is building, he's building with living stones and he's encouraging us and inviting us to be built into a spiritual house. But what are we doing? What are we doing in that spiritual house? Well, we're being built for his presence but we are being built into a royal priesthood. Verse five says, you also are living stones being built in, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The temple had priests designated to minister to God by offering sacrifices and by leading the people of God into his presence in worship. What is so neat is that in God's spiritual house, the church, the living stones are not just the building, the living stones are the priests ministering to God. The priests minister to God. 
you just think about that for a moment? We think about ministering to each other. Ministering means to come alongside and, and to be the presence of God or to, to ascribe to, to help, to offer to one another. And these living stones are a royal priesthood who minister to God, who bless God, who worship God, who praise God, who ascribe to him the glory that's due his name. What a privilege we have. Because Peter says that you and I, as believers in Jesus, these living stones being built into a temple, a spiritual house, are also the ministering agents to God. There's a number of things that we see in this passage about who we are. As priests, Verse nine tells us, but you are a chosen people. Hear that. We learn about these living stones, this priesthood of God. We learn that we are valuable with extreme worth. We are a chosen priesthood, a chosen people. Jesus, the chosen, tested, precious cornerstone, and you and I are chosen by God for this. It's not an accident, you are chosen. It speaks to not only our value and our worth, but also our identity. Verse 10, uh, go, or verses nine on, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, a holy nation, people set apart from the world and set apart to God, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you. I don't know about you, but this tells us who we are. A royal priesthood, a holy set apart nation, a people belonging to God. Verse 10 goes on to say, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You were darkness, you were not a people. You had not received mercy, but now you are a people. You belong to God. You once were darkness, now you are light. You once were without mercy, now you have mercy. This is all about our identity, our identity in God, our identity of who he says we are with this purpose that we may declare, verse nine, the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Verse five tells us also that we are a royal priesthood, a holy people, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Oftentimes when we come into a service, we say we are going to enter into praise and worship. Why? We are a people who declare the praises of God and who worship him. This is our role. This is our privilege that we have been given as living stones, that we are the people of God who praise and worship him. I began the service this morning talking about the thing of what do we offer ourselves to? Friends, there is nothing wrong with going to a game or doing something and waving a towel around. There's nothing wrong with that. 
But I want you to know you've been created for more than offering yourselves to this thing and that thing and this team and that thing. You have been created to offer yourselves to God. It's a spiritual act of worship, to praise him, to glorify him, to worship him. You and I are being built into a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God, to offer praise and worship to God. Lastly, the action is to live as foreigners in this world. To live as foreigners in this world. Verses 11 to 12. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. This royal priesthood identity an identity of being set apart, an identity of praising with, for the purpose of worship to God. This royal priesthood identity stands in stark contrast to the identity of the world. See, the world promotes an identity of praise and worship of self, not of God. The result is you and I Living stones are foreigners, are aliens, are strangers in this world. This world is not our home. And because this world is not our home, our behaviors and our practices make us look kind of odd and out of place. Have you ever felt odd and out of place if you're living for Jesus? Have you ever felt like I just don't belong here. Have you ever felt like everyone else values this? Everyone else does this. And it looks completely different from the things of God. People have a hunger and a desire to go do this. I have a hunger and a desire to go praise and go worship the Lord, to go be on mission for him, to go live for Jesus. I just don't feel like I fit here. If you've ever felt like that, I want you to know that is the absolute expected thing. Because this is not your home. I told you earlier that I had spent some time in Germany, going around in you know, Switzerland and Italy and France. I also spent some time in Mexico. And if you've ever been out of the country and you go to a foreign country, you both feel out of place and everybody knows you're out of place. You're just different. You don't fit in that spot. You don't look like everybody. You don't act like everybody. You don't speak like everybody. You're out of place. You're a foreigner. You're an alien or a stranger in a foreign land. That is not your home. Now, missionally, when you are living on mission in another place, like if a missionary goes to a place, another country, they are going and they're gonna figure out what does it look like to live in this place? How do I adapt? How do I become like these people? How do I learn their language? How do I learn their customs? How do I learn the food to like the food that they eat? What, what do they value in this culture? And so when I've gone on these trips, and if anybody has ever gone on a trip overseas that's been like a mission trip kind of thing, you want to go in and not be like, hey, 
all you people, you don't have it right. We have it right. You're going to do it our way. That is not a good way to go about missions. And sadly, if you go around to other countries and you talk to people who interact with Americans, you know what they think of Americans? They aren't too happy sometimes because Americans in general go to foreign countries and say, all you people do it wrong. You don't know what you're doing. We have it right, you have it wrong. Not the best way to be hospitable in another culture, however. There are times and places where that attitude is right. And the time and the place where the attitude is right is how believers live in this world where we recognize I am not going to live like everyone else. But not with a I'm right, you're wrong. What does Peter say? In verse 12, he says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You see the tension? We don't live in this world, we're, we're different. We are aliens and strangers in this world, we're, we're different. And so we're going to look different. And we have a choice to make. Do we go and we become like everyone else so that we don't offend everybody and so that we become like, no, this isn't our home. So we are not to be living like everyone else. But at the same time, we don't stand there and go, you all are wrong, we're right. We come with hope. We come with love. We come serving. We come giving ourselves. We, instead of powering up to say, look at us, we're right, you're wrong, we enter in humbly, living such good lives among those who do not know Christ that though they don't think sometimes much of the way that we live, they say we can't help but praise God. We can't help but glorify God one day because we see your good deeds, because we see the way that we, you live, because we see that even though you are completely different, you don't value the things we do, you don't talk the way we do, we don't act the way we do, you, you, you don't do everything the way we do. We think you're weird. But you know what? We can't find fault with you because you and the way that you live and the way that you love in the consistency with the way that you claim to live, you live that. You live such good lives among the pagans, abstaining from all the things of this world that war against your soul, Peter says. So that a world who is the dominant culture will say, oh, we don't really agree with that. That's not our way. But we can't help but glorify God for the good deeds that they have done. Live as foreigners in this world.
One additional point needs to be made about this idea of living as foreigners and strangers in this world. We are aliens and strangers, foreigners, but we are also ambassadors. We're ambassadors of another kingdom. 2 Corinthians 5.20 talks about we are ambassadors of Christ. And ambassadors are sent by a country to represent another country in that country. If that makes sense. Our ambassadors are representatives of a country sent to another country as a representative of the country that they, sent, they were sent by. But ambassadors also have this thing called an embassy. And an embassy is a building that is built in another country. So let's say we as Americans, we have a, an ambassador. I've talked about Germany. We have, a, we have an embassy in Germany. So there is an American ambassador sent to Germany to be the ambassador of America to Germany, and there is an embassy there, a building that the ambassador and his staff or her staff works out of. But what is interesting about an embassy is that building, that space, even though it is, it is in foreign land, that space becomes sovereign ground for the country that it represents. So that embassy of the, United of the United States of America in Germany, that is the United States of America in a foreign land. That ground, all the laws of the land, the country of Germany, don't govern that space. The laws of the United States of America govern that space. And that ambassador carries the authority of the United States of America to be able to say this is what we stand for. Friends, you and I are ambassadors of another kingdom. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of God to this world. We are given the authority of the kingdom. We are given the power of the kingdom. It's the authority and power of Christ. And everywhere, where the local church and the church universal sets up shop is sovereign ground for the kingdom of God. So often we walk and we, we live in defense. We live in protectivism. We live in, we gotta, we gotta resist everything. No, we have been given sovereign authority by the kingdom of God as aliens and strangers in this world to live lives set apart to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So that we might live with confidence for the glory of God. And that those who are not of this world, not of this kingdom who are of this world, will see our good deeds and will praise our Father in heaven. God builds with living stones. And you and I are living stones that are being built into a spiritual house, being built into a royal priesthood, living as foreigners in this world. So on the way out today, you're gonna get a stone. I wanna, want you to take this stone with you. And I want you to put it somewhere where you're gonna see it. 
Maybe it's on a nightstand. So the last thing you see before you go to bed is that stone. And the first thing you see when you wake up in the morning is that stone. Or maybe it's in the bathroom or, or maybe it's on your way where your keys are so that when you put your keys there at the end of the day or you pick them up at the beginning of the day, you see that stone as a reminder that you are what? A living stone. And as a reminder that this becomes your identity. This is who you are. You are a living stone that God is doing something with. That it is a reminder that you and I are being built into a spiritual house. And so when you see that stone, remember, I am a living stone. And when you see that stone, remember also that you are being built into that spiritual house. And when you go and you just, life is crazy busy. Or you're just not really wanting to engage with people too much. Or you know what, it's been a while since I've really talked with someone who is another believer in Christ or I've come to a gathering of believers. When you see that, be like, I have to be close. When it's Saturday, or when it's Saturday night and you're thinking about all the things that you could do on Sunday morning, would you look at that stone and say, you know what, there's a hundred things I could do on Sunday morning. I'm a living stone. That God is building and the only way I'm gonna be built into this thing, the only way that I'm gonna be pressed into this is I gotta be near people. So we're gonna give this time and we're gonna gather with other believers and I'm gonna figure out ways to be in proximity because I am a what? Living stone. It's what living stones do. And may it be a reminder as well that you are a royal priesthood. When you get up in the morning and the last thing you want to do is pray, and the last thing you want to do is read your Bible, the last thing you want to do is worship the Lord, remember, you're a what? A living stone. And living stones are royal priest, is a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a people who declare the praises of God, who minister to God. This is your opportunity to do what you were made to do. To minister to the Lord, to worship the Lord, to spend time with the Lord. That, that picture that Leah had this morning of not just knowing he's around, but to engage in relationship, in praise, and in worship with him. Because you're a royal priesthood. And when you see this stone and you're headed out the door, remember that these living stones, you are a foreigner. You're an alien. You're a stranger. This world is not your home, so don't get comfortable in it. Live with the authority of Jesus. Live as an ambassador. Even ask the Lord, as a living stone, am I any different? Do I stand out? If I were to ask people, do they think I'm a little odd? Do they think you're a little odd? <laughs> we stand out. So take this as a reminder that you're what? 
living stone. It's who you are. God is building. He is building his church, and we have the privilege to be a part of it. As one more time, living stones. So Father, thank you for what you've done to make us a living stone. Father, we rejoice in the fact that we once were not a people, but now we are the people of God. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. Once we lived in darkness, but now we live in light. Thank you for what you have done to bring us into a place where we are living stones, where we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that belong to you, God, that we might worship you, praise you, minister to you. And I pray that you would help us to live faithfully as foreigners, as aliens and strangers in this world. We are different. May we represent your kingdom well. May we live such good lives in this world, among the pagans, that though they disagree, that they would praise our Father in heaven, that they would glorify him when they see him. So God, I pray blessing over your people, over the living stones that you are building and using here in Dorseyville. Would you build your church? Would you build your church? Press us together, Lord. Build us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.